What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Always Two. There are a Star Wars discussion podcast. I am Josiah here with my co-host Stephen. Hey guys, how's it going? <sighs> Once again, I have to remind Stephen that they cannot respond to how's it going. One day they'll respond in the comments. One day. One day. I expect to hear just a, a an entire page of comments that are just like fine, doing good. Josiah's trying not to laugh right now. He's no. biting his lip. No, you're just, you're not that funny. Anyway, I know. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace? Yeah. The... F- Quote-unquote first, first movie? canonical movie. The third released movie. The fourth released movie. Uh, four, five, six, one. So. Oh yeah, math. Mm-hmm. For twenty dollars, I can tutor you an hour a week. I don't have math till next semester, actually. Oh okay. Um, that's when I'm gonna drop out of college. Why? <laughs> I can give you a leg up on that. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> oh man. Awkward silence. All right. It's not awkward silence. There's music playing, Steven. Um, (laughs) It's awkward for us. (laughs) All right, Steven. Uh, General thoughts before we get into our questions of episode one, The Phantom Manas. It did a lot. It did. It did a lot. Of good, mm-hmm. did a lot of bad. Yeah, um, we'll get into how it affected Star Wars later. I, I know, but like that—that's my general thoughts on this movie. Is that I think it did a lot more good than it did bad. Uh, I never understood the dislike that fans had for this movie. It really didn't. And granted, I was like, well, it, can a, all, it can be summed up in two words: Jar Jar, Anakin. This is pod racing. Let's try spinning. He's a child. He's nine years old. I know. I was... He's <laughs> a literal child. I think I was 10 when this movie came out. When did it come out? 99 or 98? I think it was 97. No, it couldn't have been. Because I was... F- to the wiki. I think I was fifth grade when this came out. Because I remember... You're so old. I wasn't born when this movie came yeah. out. Um, oh, you're so old. Because I had to invite myself. And I remember being 10. Obviously, I'm going to... There's like... My thought processes back then were... Beyond just like not there. They weren't deep enough to like analyze a movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't start analyzing movies till I was like 20. So... So, Okay. Okay, so oh, don't give me that. <laughs> I, I for a long I time, as long Jar as things Jar. exploded, and I laughed. It was a good movie. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, Stephen. I agree. I liked Jar Jar as a kid. I liked Anakin as a kid. I, I, I still like child Anakin. Actually, Jar Jar is just kind of whatever. I don't. Hate I never. Him, but I don't love him. I noticed this time around. There's a lot of scenes where Jar Jar was just added in post. 
And not like there was somebody there and they added him later, but like he was added as an afterthought where he was not a part of the scene and he was he was grafted in in post. Really? Mm-hmm. The the most like egregious one is when they when they like jump down and save the Oh yeah, the yeah. People. I know. Like the he scene. literally looks like he's running around on a green screen. Right, yeah, because that that one was added in post. Uh, where he's kind of like dangling off the little mm-hmm. walkway. And then he kind of just runs around. Yeah, I think he was at it in post. So I actually was thinking about it the other day. And what I do really like about Jar Jar is the actor, Ahmed Best. His performance. Not his best. I don't know anything else he <laughs> is in. But I just got that. <laughs> You're terrible. Anyways, um, I think he does a good job in terms of like being annoying. No, uh, like embodying. Because when you think about like a Gungan, they're tall, they're lanky, they have human-like anatomy, but not quite. Because they've got they don't have feet like us. They their feet are more like an elephant's foot. Right, and they have the long neck. So I, thinking on it, I was like, he did a pretty good job in like how he walked and moved. That weird kind of like gait that he has. It's like he did a pretty good job of like moving the way an alien would move, and putting like kind of the motions into it. So, there's my positive thing about Charger's character. Do you think he was a Sith before or after this movie? Oh, long before. I think he is a Sith from the Old Republic who managed to essence transfer into a Gungan as the perfect hiding place. Because who would suspect Jar Jar? The entire Star Wars fan base. <laughs> Only Literally after everyone years of analysis. Everyone who has ever, ever seen a Star Wars movie is like, Jar Jar is evil. There's no other explanation. I mean, agreed, but that was only after years of analysis and very close scrutiny. But and in-universe, nobody was paying attention to Jar Jar. And somehow he made it to... Being a representative uh, in the Senate. Is that the same as being a senator? Or was he just a lower? I don't know. Cause... Or is it more like a planet has a senator? And then each race native to that planet well, I don't think has a I don't representative. Think each, I don't even know if it's each race. He was, he was representing the senator. Oh, is he that kind of representative? I think so. Okay. Not like America where there's representatives and senators. Welcome back to our American Politics Podcast. What do you think of the Phantom Menace, Josiah? I like it. Um, I like how visceral the lightsaber combat is. Yeah, it has the best duel, in my opinion. I don't even know. Mm, I don't know. I I wouldn't say that. Um, I still think that Anakin Obi-Wan takes the cake. Um, as far as best duel oh, in, in, the, three? in the series, um, 
I would even say, I think Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader in Obi-Wan the show even is up there. So I, I, I quickly added in in the movies. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, because like the best light to provide turn Clone Wars. Absolutely. Especially season seven. I was going to say uh, Palpatine versus Maul and Savage. That one also. That's a fantastic fight. Anyway. Um, Qui-Gon and Maul use a lot of like hand-to-hand techniques. I don't know if it's a like lightsaber forms thing or if it's just it was one of those that like the style of lightsaber combat hadn't been established yet. Because like from episode two on, there's a very distinct style that like the movies pertain to. Um But in this one, like there's a lot of like uh like smacking the other guy with your hilt. There's a lot of like kicking, like like somebody throws a punch. Like it's a like they don't use the lightsabers as um it's a lot more realistic's the wrong word cuz you know sci-fi but i think no cuz you like medieval combat is it's not just swords and shields it's a lot of it's the kicks it's the it's the it's the like lunging with the shield it's all the things right right and so like this movie just has its own style like i i had never noticed it before but like darth maul doesn't like force push obi-wan off the bridge he kicks him and then like he kills obi-wan or qui-gon by like hitting him in the face with his hilt and then stabbing him right and so it's 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 much more like visceral and it feels much more grounded yeah it is um episode one i think is a time when lightsaber dueling uh evolved I think this was one of its first major evolutions from, because like when you think about the the original trilogy, it's all one on one, one handed lightsabers. Uh, Vader does not hold his lightsaber with both hands. Obi Wan does. So you know, with and I don't know if David Prose was a fencer or not. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was and if he had done fencing in his past. Because when you watch him and Luke in Empire Strikes Back, the way that David Prose is fighting Luke screams like saber fencing. And uh, it's, it's pretty slow. You can tell that they're attacking each other's blades, which is like you're... Kind of the the campy, cheesy, you know, fan-made lightsaber fights where instead of, like, swinging at each other, they swing to where the blade, their their opponent's blade is. And uh, once we get into the new trilogy and Star Wars after that, it's much more action-packed, high-octane, it's faster, and it... They're they're attacking each other, not their, not each other's weapons. Steven, who is your favorite character in this movie? That's a good question. I don't know. I I kind of like. I mean, aside from like, there's Qui Gon Jinn, 
He's probably my favorite actor in the movie. Is just as an aside, casting in this movie is great. It's fantastic, but um, I do really like uh, Liam Neeson as Qui Gon Jinn, and I love that he's always portrayed the role in all of its appearances. But like character wise, I think I do. I really like uh, Padme. I, I I really like that she. As a queen, as a ruler who is under siege, she is willing to. She, it's hard to put into words. She's she has she's surrounded by people who are willing to sacrifice themselves for her, and for their world and their people, and she is a queen who is willing to let them do that. She's not Rose, who, in someone's... Mm-mm-mm. I don't even want to talk about it. Don't even. She, she isn't going to, like, crash them out of the I way. I was so ready to let go of Finn. But, uh, you know, she... It was a great hero's moment. But at the same oh. time, she uses it very smartly. Right? So she's not just like, oh, you're just a body double. That's just going to take a bullet for me she's she uses it strategically in order to you know test the waters so like when they go to meet uh boss nass out in the swamps and it's her body double that's initiates the conversation but then she later once you know she's apprised the situation and has a feel for boss nass and the gungans and their attitude towards the nabooians then she's like actually hold on She's just bodyguard who's my body double. I'm the real queen. So I do like that she is portrayed as being intelligent, strategic, smart. And then she's a strong leader because that whole like palace fight scene, she's leading one of the strike teams while the Jedi are fighting Maul and uh, whatever other guards are going off on a second strike team. What about you? Who's your favorite character? Oh, I was going to add on to that. Oh, go ahead. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's one of those... You see less and less of, like, Padme in that sense throughout the original trilogy. Yeah. Like, she becomes more and more just the love interest as it goes yeah. on. Um, But you get to see that side of Padme in Clone Wars, so, yeah, they make up for it. And... Obi-Wan talks about it in in Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it makes you cry. Anyway, um, I got to go with Qui-Gon. Um, he, he's always been one of my favorite characters. Uh, like, growing up, he like his lightsaber was my favorite, um, partly because it was green, partly because I, I just love his hilt. Uh, his hilt's one of my favorite hilts in all of Star Wars, um, just because it's so simple. and It is a very simple hilt. It's not... It doesn't have all, like, the... Like the knobs and the the shiny like everything, it's just. Anyway, it's just there, and it's great. Um, I also liked his green saber. Was it the first time we saw? No, it was not. No, that would be Luke. Luke. Yeah. Um, um, I think it was the first time we saw what a counselor looked like on or. Yeah, looked like I on think screen because like, yeah, ugh, it is like Phantom Menace is one of the best depictions of Guardian versus Count like the differences between guardian and counselor 
Yeah. Like when when the when the the doors go up and Qui-Gon immediately starts meditating. What is Luke? Charles See, I would say he's a sentinel. Because Luke is more sleight of hand. He's not straightforward like a guardian is. Because he did the whole plan, the whole infiltration plan with Lando at Jabba's palace. I'd still call him a counselor. He still tried to find a diplomatic way out. Yeah, I would say his first, Sentinels would do his that. His first but... everything was, was diplomatic. I think a, a, a guardian would rush in. A counselor would negotiate. A sentinel would bribe. He did try to bribe. He offered the droids. But he also tried to negotiate, so he's in a gray area. He's a gray Jedi. He's the like the OG gray Jedi. He so is. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, I gotta go with Qui-Gon. He's also so battle meditation question mark. When when he bat- meditates in the middle of a battle. Oh, when fighting Maul. Okay. The only other time I could like imagine his face kind of like being concentrated and focused in the middle of like a fight was when he was um, using his saber to melt through the blast doors. But maybe. I always figured he was just centering himself. Yeah. But... I just thought if it was battle meditation, clearly wasn't very good. At it. <laughs> um, oh no! <laughs> but I mean, it's possible because battle meditation was a thing at this point in time, because it had been created for comics in the early '90s, and at this point, because Coruscant was created for comic in the early '90s. And it was this movie that where George decided to start taking things from the comics and canonize them, which is why he kept Coruscant as the capital of the Republic in the core, because that's what it was in the comics. So it's entirely possible that he uh, kind of put that in there. It's like eh, he could be battle battle meditating. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I love Qui Gon. Um, I love Liam Neeson uh, as an actor, one of the most iconic voices in all of cinema. Oh, dude, he's one of the he is the best voice in cinema. I, I might agree. Um, he's he's up there with Morgan Freeman of like the most iconic voices. Oh, definitely. Like people who don't watch movies know those voices. That's true. Like Morgan Freeman. I don't know. I think I personally like Liam Neeson's voice better than Morgan Freeman. I would agree. But Morgan Freeman is ex- probably more iconic than Liam Neeson. Oh, by far. But there's a reason that uh, I can't remember his name. There's a comedian that's like every comedian should have a Morgan Freeman voice. So it's either bad and it's funny, or it's good and it's impressive. <laughs> right. Um, it's like fat guys and dancing. <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. No, I uh, <laughs> I love Qui Gon. Um, Always have. 
I like the there's always a bigger fish moment. Um, he's probably one of the best Jedi Masters we see in terms of like actually training your Padawan. Yes. Um, and-, and he's also like that. I'm interested to see in Tales of the Jedi kind of how this plays out when he's younger. But he's that like that willingness to defy the council, that willingness to um to forego like the Jedi ways for the betterment of an individual right. is he's he's kind of the the picture like we've talked about this before of like he is the picture of what the Jedi should be. Right. And I think that's why he's such a good character. Yeah. Is because we the audience, we know that the Jedi are massively flawed they're extremely dogmatic and to an extent the sith have a point in their dispute with the jedi um and it's because the jedi are just way too rigid they're too single-minded and narrow like tunnel visioned on how things should be and it's it is their true folly is that they are too unbending and they're too rigid in their beliefs um but Qui-Gon is what we, the audience, know the Jedi should be for the Jedi to be a truly unrivaled and untoppable power. But Qui-Gon is the outlier and the quote-unquote heretic within the Jedi Order. Because his ways get him in trouble. They go against the grain and it's, as as Obi-Wan said, it's why he's not on the council. Which I love Obi-Wan's response to that. It's just like, yeah, as it should be. Because what I'm doing is more important than being on the council. It's Being a Jedi isn't about being on the council. It's about doing what's right. Helping people. Keeping the peace. Keeping the peace. Slaughtering children. No. That was the part Anakin tagged on at the end. Um, trying to pass a bill. Just trying to sneak <laughs> some stuff in there. Do you know what? Not a favorite character, but a character that always just, for whatever reason, fascinated me. Yeah, honorable mentions. And this character isn't even a character. Boss no. You see this character once throughout the entire movie, and they are just a face on a screen behind the announcer guys for the Boonta Eve race. I think his name is Bulls Roar. Look him up, look him up. Oh my god. Yeah, I want to see if I got his name right. Bulls but Roar? he's a he's a pod racer. He's like this furry monster looking creature. Uh and I would always notice his face I think it's B O L S R O O R. He has a whole wiki. Yeah. And I was just like, he's such a weird and interesting looking alien, and he's kind of gremlin like. And every time I watched the movie and I saw that part, I would always just like imagine who is this character? He's a pod racer. Yeah, I know. He's one of the racers in the Boon to Eve. I think he dies. I think his pod racer blows up in the cave along with the uh, the Alina pod racer. The one that 
the camera focuses on focuses in on and he screams right before he hits the stalactite. No, he just loses. Oh, okay. I thought he got caught up in that explosion and died along with the Alina. Do you have any characters like that? This is the movie that created Quinlan Voss. Great character. Ah, oh, I forgot to look out for that. Oh, I'm stupid. He's just chilling next Pretty to sure Shaboba. I, pretty sure I slept through that part. <laughs> um, Not that it's a boring movie. No, I was just very tired. And took a nap. So I, 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 was also, I also always wondered what would possess Jar Jar. Is it just because he's stupid? Or because like... Gungans don't have money, but why would he just think it's okay to just walk up to that one lady's stall and just eat a frog squid thing off her rack and just walk away from it? It's a difference in culture. And then when he's like, how much is it? She's like, it's nine wumpa wumpa or whatever. And he's just like, what? how would he understand what that currency is? That also always got me. I think Jar Jar is a mistake from beginning to end and should never have been included in the franchise. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have gotten the uh, that one episode of Clone Wars where... I'd be fine with that. Where Viceroy thinks he's a Jedi. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> well, what about the Mother Talzin episode... Where Jar Jar apparently has a very strong love interest. Or where he is a very strong love interest. You can put anyone that in Jar Jar's shoes in that episode. I anyway. think that Queen only liked him because he looked like her. I don't actually remember what episode you're talking about. but it's One of the final episodes of season six. The, the Goya Masters. And it's Mace Window goes with Jar Jar to a, some planet where they're sucking the living force out of people. Why Why would Jar Jar go on that? Because the Dagoyans think the Jedi kidnap people and they're evil. And the queen of the Dagoyan people has a crush on Jar Jar, so she would only deal with Jar Jar. That's why. Anyway. So Jar Jar brings Mace Window and Mace... The entire episode is just face palming at everything Jar Jar does. He is the audience's reaction to Jar Jar. Anyway, um, any other? I mean, we gotta we gotta shout out Obi Wan, first appearance, third, fourth, fourth nope. appearance, first canonical appearance, first canonical, youngest appearance, youngest, first real appearance, first. Uh, first real appearance. Because you and McGregor, okay. First, you and McGregor. I think I think at this point, you and McGregor has taken, has officially yeah. taken the mantle. I mean, of, Alec Guinness hated Star Wars, anyways. Well, frick that guy. <laughs> he did not like Star Wars. He thought it was stupid and trash. He thought it was a bunch of rubbish. And I think rubbish was the word he used in his letters to home at the time. Sad day. Anyway, shout out to the superior Obi-Wan. I'll reluctantly agree with that. Yeah. What I do really like about Alec Guinness, though, is that as an actor, he had the work ethic of 
once you start a role, you you don't stop until it's finished, which is why he came back and did the next two movies. Yeah, after his character was killed. Yeah, because he's just like, <laughs> I'm Obi-Wan and no one else can be the role. And since the character still has a part to play, I have to play it. So I do like that work ethic. But What's your favorite moment? I think it's got to be the Duel of the Fates. Yeah. Was was Obi-Wan defeating Darth Maul his trial? That's a good question. I think it was. I don't. Because he takes on Anakin I guess at Qui-Gon's a, funeral. Maybe in a technical sense it's his trial in terms of like on paper. You know, in terms of getting the promotion. But that's when he... But I would say that his trial was training Anakin. Like, metaphysically, I'd say his trial is training Anakin. I mean, yeah, that's like his life... Regret? Like, life mission or whatever. But I'm talking about, like, his... Yeah. You, you, have to, you pass the trials to become a Jedi Knight. And I think yeah. that that defeating a Sith Lord was his... Was his trial. Right. That's why I say, like, on paper, I would say it's his trial. It's what he did to get the promotion. But I would say, like, this, you know, from a metaphysical... Like, if you wanted to be, like, an ancient, wise Jedi Master, and you're reviewing other Jedi's actions throughout, that Master would say, like, no. Training your Padawan, given who your Padawan was... That's, became, what, that's what made him a Master, not a Knight. Or, or how he dealt with Anakin's fall is his true trial as a Jedi. Okay, you're 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 completely. I agree, but you're digging so much more into the, his his trial to become a Jedi Knight. Was well, yeah, Darth I would Maul. say it was defeating okay. his like trial as a person. Sure, was Anakin, but his in this context, the trial to become a Jedi Knight was killing Darth Maul. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. The Duel of the Fates is my favorite moment in this movie. Some of the best music in Star Wars. One of the best lightsaber fights. Um, you get to see Obi-Wan like really come into his own. You, get to, you see one of the greatest characters in all of Star Wars get cut in half by one of the other greatest characters in all of Star Wars right after he killed one of the other greatest characters in all of Star Wars. So it's like, <laughs> it's really a goaded moment. It <laughs> really is. Not going to lie. When you put it that way. Um, like <laughs> What's interesting is for the longest time, there were several people I knew who swore up and down that Darth Maul did not get cut in half. Like that was their argument? Yeah, they were just like... Not that he, he did didn't die? No, they're just like, he did not get cut in half. Oh, they agreed that he died because he fell down a bottomless pit. That never means death in Star Wars. That's true, apparently now. <laughs> um, but they're like, he did not get cut in half. And I'm like, you literally see his feet on one side of the one corner of the screen. And you see his, the other half of him in the other corner of the screen. What do you mean he didn't get cut in half? He got cut in half. Look. There's his legs. <laughs> Just freeze frame, freeze frame real quick. There. You get like the big red marker. There's his legs. And across the screen, there's his torso. 
Yeah, and if you look even closer, his head is on the same side of that chunk as the feet are on that chunk. So if you were to put the two together, it'd be like feet, legs, waist, head, chest, waist. And they still didn't buy it. <laughs> they still was like, nope, he's not cutting half. The friends are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah. Duel of the Fates, man. It was a great fight. Just a great, like to this day, just still a great moment in Star Wars. Yeah. My my favorite moment is, uh, as a child, my favorite moment was when R2 was introduced. Yeah. Because it was always just like, because as a kid, you love R2-D2. And then when he's first introduced, you get all giddy, like, oh, it's R2-D2. This is where he comes from. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> You're all excited about it for like that entire scene because R2 then saves the ship and he's the only one surviving. He's got hardcore plot armor. Yeah, and you even know he's R2 before the guard captain like reads out like, oh, his service number is R2-D2. Um, I mean, he's the most iconic droid in Star Wars. That's true. Like just his, the sil- the white and silver with blue accents is... That's why he's Anakin's, because he matches the 501st. Is the 501st stylized after R2-D2? <laughs> Seeing the epiphanies on Josiah's <laughs> face, just like one after the other. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, and then, uh, but I think in adulthood, my favorite scene in that movie is probably probably or it's not seen but really the moment is the the throne room <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the throne room moment when uh it's the bait and switch the the body double you have amadala is in her throne room captured by viceroy gunry and he's like, I've got you now. And then the body double runs up from some side hall and is like, Viceroy. And he goes, this one's an imposter. Go get her. And then uh, I just threw my arm like that as a third George <laughs> Lucas walked by the door. <laughs> and this is not a George Lucas that works here. This is just some random old guy. We have, we have gotten to where we just refer to any elderly white man with a he beard. He was even as... wearing plaid. <laughs> um Plaid and blue jeans. Did you ever watch the the Lego Star Wars um, <laughs> the Lego Star Wars movies? And they're about the prequels, but like they take place during the prequels. But like Darth Vader is on set and he keeps jumping into um, no. <laughs> keeps jumping into the scene and George keeps coming out on set and being like Darth, hey buddy. Uh, you're not in this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not seen that. This is pretty funny. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I don't know. I really like that when Viceroy is like, this one's an imposter. Go get that one. And then all the droids go after that one. And once they're out of the room, then Amidala sits down on her throne, presses the button, pulls out a hidden pistol, and is just like, actually, I'm the real one. I don't know. I really like it. I also love the palace. 
Like the architecture and the artwork is phenomenal. Naboo, what's the city's name? It's one of the most iconic levels from Lego Star Wars, the original Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Just the in, this entire movie, honestly. is The levels I remember are from this movie. Theed. I think Theed is the name of the city. I think it's Thneed. Thneed? Everybody needs a Thneed. How bad can I be? I don't know what the heck you're doing. It's uh, it's from the Lorax. Um, it's Theed. Okay. <laughs> I, I was very concerned for a second. Um, Alright. Any other honorable mentions from moments? All of them. Okay. It doesn't count. When Jar Jar gotta... steps in Bantha Poodoo. The look Josiah is giving me. These are why I say things like this. You can see a little piece of his soul die, wither away. Okay, Josiah. So, Stephen, how does. Uh, how does this movie this is a great one for I, this is one like Empire Strikes Back we had a lot to say we for didn't the... do line what's <sighs> your favorite line in this movie this is such this movie has so many memeable lines in it mm-hmm. so which one's your favorite um the the negotiations will be short followed by well you were right about one thing master the negotiations were short um there's always a bigger fish and his midichlorian count is, is <laughs> over nine thousand. Higher than Master Yoda's. Um, <laughs> probably the thing that I quote the most, and you'll you'll know because you hear me say it all the time. But I, I wonder if you ever really think about why I say it. But it's uh, Okie Day. From Jar Jar. Oh, I say Okie Day all the time, too. So, I also say Misa a lot. I try not to, but I do. You say Misa more often than you say Misa. I've never heard you mean, like, can I get the, the Misa ramen? You're more often, can I get the Miso for the Tenkatsu? You really want ramen. It's been so long. It's been a very long time. Um, anyway. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Jar Jar has a lot of meme lines. Um, Probably the best meme line is, now this is pod racing. Because you can apply it to a lot of instances <laughs> in just your everyday life. I expected you to react more to that. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know. I expected you to have something to input on that, but you just kind of like grinned shortly and then nodded. I just I, I can think of a Fast and Furious meme where it's like the moment where they get like the really cool car in the movie, and 
Dom Toretto just turns to the camera and says, now this is pod racing. <laughs> and then they, like, you know, drive out of a building or something. Uh, Fast and Furious kind of got crazy. Anyway, uh, welcome back to our Fast and Furious podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Josiah has lost his place. How did this, how did, how did this movie change Star Wars? Um, it showed us what lightsaber fights could actually be. Which, yes. Yeah. It introduced... Um, it really expanded on the Jedi Order. Yeah, yeah. It, exp- it, it introduced the Rule of Two. I would have loved to have watched this movie having already seen the original trilogy. How come? Because I would have loved to be like, oh, this is a younger Yoda. Like, what, leading the Jedi Order. Oh, this is a younger... Like, the first time you hear Obi-Wan, and you're like, whoa, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's, like, this is a younger him. Whoa, that's crazy. Instead, I watched the original trilogy, and was like, oh, this is an old Obi-Wan. This is an old Yoda. And right. so... Yeah, I just didn't get that experience. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the, like I said, that's part of the reason why as a kid I loved R2's intro. Is because it was that exact moment. It was that experience of like, this is R2. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, I think why it works so well with this movie is because none of the character introductions are trying to be origin stories. The way, you know, Solo was an origin story. Uh, you going to stop? Um, and you have... This movie expanded on the Jedi Order. And it did a lot to really develop the world. Because I think at this point in time, the comics were canon, but not canon. Do you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people enjoyed the comics, but they weren't part of, like, the larger Star Wars mythos of the movies. But with this movie, because they started bringing in things from the comics, double-bladed lightsabers, Coruscant, it starts to kind of validate the eu as being official canon uh so it you know i really i really like and appreciate the entire prequel trilogy for the world building that it brings to the table yeah like we can all agree the it dialogue sets up, it sets up star wars as we know it for the rest of it does and it really brings in our our lost episode it is what I think sets the definition of that Shinsequa. I would agree. Because, like, you have the original trilogy, which is very sci fi, but very, like, your romance fantasy story. Um, young boy, young farm boy goes out on an adventure. Gets the princess, becomes a knight, fights the black knight. 
that kind of thing overthrows the evil king but it's very sci-fi and the sci-fi it is very much 70s sci-fi like when you look at when you like sit down and look at the props like the the little go-kart thing that they're they're riding on in uh in the temple of yavin just before they go fight the death star like that is absolutely a go-kart from the 70s <laughs> and uh but when you get to the prequels in the late 90s the you're disgusted the um the genre <coughs> that was totally psychosomatic too by the way <laughs> did just hit you <laughs> um the genre of sci-fi has a long time to evolve so at this point, we've now had a bunch of different sci-fi shows. Star Trek has reinvigorated itself and set a new standard, especially um, the Star Trek that was like the mid-90s Deep Space Nine. It set a new standard of like set and prop quality and like design and all that stuff. So I think that's where we get that je ne sais quoi of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it just, it introduces, like, Attack of the Clones sets off the Clone Wars, but this introduces the Jedi versus Sith, that, like, the the original trilogy is really about taking down Darth Vader and, and the Emperor because they're evil, Right. whereas and, this movie is, we are taking down a Sith because he's a Sith, Right. and it's, it introduces the Jedi versus Sith, which, which literally shapes all of Star Wars. It does. Um, it shows us what Jedi look like, what Sith look like, what like those Jedi robes are supposed to look like. It shows us the Jedi Temple, which is now iconic. And right. it sets up like the like speeders and shows us what space combat can actually look like when it's not like little figurines that are being flown around a room. Like it just it reinvents Star Wars for a modern era and like the style has stuck to where we're to this day, we're getting tales of the Jedi, which is set in the before the prequel trilogy. It's a prequel to the prequels. We're getting, um, I think that's the only one that takes place at that time, time period. Anyway, like it's, we're still going back to this time to this day. And the, the best things that star Wars has produced have always been from this timeline. Yeah. Like, with the assumption that Star Wars The Clone Wars is the best Star Wars, like the best standalone Star Wars media that has been produced up until this point. Yeah, I would agree. I was trying to look up real fast on my phone if the... The temp, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, in the old Tales of the Jedi comics, if it's like design in the comics was the same as in the movie, I couldn't find it. Not on a quick search, but no, yeah, because the the original trilogy, all it did to explain Vader and the Pal and Palpatine, was just the dark side. 
So they had the light side versus the dark side of the force, but not really the Sith as an organization of dark siders. Well, because like the pre, like episode one introduces to the whole, like yes, the Jedi are peacekeepers, and yes, they'll fight the war and all the things, but first and foremost, the Jedi are out to destroy the Sith. Period, and everything else will take a second seat to that. Yeah. Now we'll say like, and that's something else is because the Sith really were just part of the comics. Yeah. So, and that's something you know. The Sith were as an organization, they were in the comics, the Tales of the Jedi from the early nineties, and I think they were in some of the games. What games do we have at this point? Dark Forces. The Kyle Katarn games. Because those were old DOS. Those were 90s? They were they were Doom clones. They were clones of the old Doom in terms of like gameplay and style. Because they were... Like, those on 64? Huh? Were those on 64? No, they were computer. Oh. They were like... Oh, that's why they haven't been ported. Yeah, they were, nine, they were Windows 95. They're, they're great games. Kyle Katarn is a great character from the EU. I hope he comes back. All right. Um, Steven, any final thoughts on Star Wars The Phantom Menace? Best movie of them all. I know you don't believe that. I don't. Um, I don't even believe that. <laughs> I said a lot of really great things about it. I probably it's a said fun more. Movie. It's a fun movie. And I would say that it, you know, for being a Star Wars movie, it's a fun movie, but it's definitely not the best Star Wars and it's not the worst Star Wars. Yeah. Um, It's on the upper end though. Yeah. But it does have some of the best casting in Star Wars. I would agree a hundred percent. And I think it has some of the best characters in Star Wars. Yeah. It, it, yeah, the characters and casting don't really miss at all in this movie. They don't. I know a lot of people don't like Natalie Portman in this movie, but... It's fine. She's gone on to be one of the greatest actresses of this generation. So, yeah, say what you will. This she's what, got Oscars. This was her first like big movie, she too. She does have Oscars, right? Anyway... Golden um, Globe, Best Supporting Actress for Closer. Golden Globe, Best Actress, Black Swan. Critics' Choice Award for Best Actress, Jackie Ann Black Swan. BAFTA Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role, Black Swan. Academy Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role, Black Swan. Yeah, that's your Oscar. Anyway, uh, none of that's really important. We'll mostly get cut out. Um, yeah. Um, all right. All in all, great movie, great casting, great characters, great fights, great time. Anyway, this week in Star oh, Wars. Cursed again. Um, in the ongoing campaign to bring Starkiller into the live-action Star Wars universe, I have discovered some interesting things. One, oh. on the wall where Quinlan Vos's name is written down that Obi-Wan sees in Obi-Wan Kenobi, there's another name on said wall, the name of Ram Koda. Yes, I knew that. In this is not a spoiler, but an Easter egg in episode four of Andor, you can see the helmet of the Sith Stalker armor. 
You can. Interesting. And it's not like hidden away. It is like, it's not focused on, but it is there. Interesting. That's interesting because mm-hmm. Andor takes place mm-hmm. five years BBY, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. not the same time frame as Force Awakens, but is Force two years before. Mm-hmm. This is when he's not the Sith Stalker yet. Is in the games. It is in. So the Sith Stalker armor is an alternate ending where. Okay, um, so it's like his potential is. It is his like fully realized potential of Vader's like assassin apprentice. Right. And he. This is the armor he wears. Right. Um, the helmet for that. Right. Is in Endor episode four. That, my question was whether or not. Him being the Sith Stark was the canonical ending or not? I believe the the accepted canonical ending of the second game is that he spares he spares Vader and he's killed by his perfect clone that is so evil. Well, he, he's the perfect clone because he has the the consciousness of Star Killer. But Vader gets a clone that will actually do his bidding. And I believe that is the clone that becomes the Sith Stalker. Okay. So, original Galen Merrick is dead. At the end of the first movie, yes. First movie or first, first game? First game. First game. Okay. Consciousness of Starkiller is in a perfect clone. Theoretically. That perfect clone is killed by the evil perfect clone... That becomes a Sith Stalker. I believe so. Okay. I believe there's also a possibility that um, the Sith Stalker is just like if Starkiller fully realized his Sith potential yeah. before being cloned, that is what he would have worn. Yeah, because I, I, I do remember also finding out that some of the names on the wall, I don't think it's the same wall as the one with, maybe it is the same wall but a different shot or a different scene. But there are a handful of other names that reference comic characters. Mm-hmm. One of them was a Jedi who went off to form his own like splinter sect of Jedi. Uh, they were much more in line with Qui-Gon's philosophy on how to be a Jedi and how to view the Force. Uh, there was another one, another name, who eventually becomes Palpatine's consort in the comics. She becomes Palpatine's consort. Has a child with him. We've made jokes about this. Yes. And then, I forget, she ends up dying, but she became a Sith. Uh, but she started out as a Jedi. But she becomes I remembered a Sith. the joke we made about this. I don't remember the joke we made about Unlimited power. <laughs> what? I don't remember this joke at all. Anyway, I'm going to cut that out. Um, Yeah, yeah. Some random Star Wars stuff that I wanted to talk to someone about. And now the world can hear it. It's going on the intranet. It is going on the intranet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for today. Um, This has been Always Two There Are. We will be back next week with either Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, or... Um, talking about Andor because Steven will finally be somewhat caught up. Episodes one through three, something like that. Yeah, we'll uh haven't been nailed down yet, but we'll see what happens. 
Um, also, be looking forward because Brady will be back on the podcast for Revenge of the Sith um, here in a couple Heck of weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, the return of a beloved guest. You can reach us with uh, questions, comments, or concerns at a2ta.humancyborgrelations at gmail.com. I know it's long. I'm so sorry, guys. It was Steven's idea. It's a fantastic email. It's a address. really, it's a great email. It's a great email. Um, one of these days we'll like have a voice or something, and A2TA will be our, he'll do our announcements or whatever. Oh my god! A2T, blah blah blah. Can A2TA do our intros too one day? Something like that. Yeah, I'll voice him. Okay, I won't let go of this. Anyway, um, yeah. Steven, any final things just before we close it out? Just one word. Alrighty, guys. Adios. <laughs> Alrighty. Adios. Adios. No.